Hey there, everybody. It's Dan Dan here, and we are diving into a big book study. Today, we are going to start the chapter. This is part one of three parts of Two Wives. And this is a really cool chapter and a very difficult one for some of us as well. To wives, we've, we've walked through the steps up to now, and we've talked about how to work with others or be in service to others, how to carry the message to other alcoholics and to practice the principles of the steps and everything we do. We've, we've gone through that whole thing. Now we run into a different subject altogether and a very different perspective. Where the previous chapters are telling me what to do and how to do it and who to do it with, this is a little bit different in that this is people talking about us. This is kind of like you're at home, and, and we all know this moment, and you hear a conversation between your spouse and their friend through the door, and you put your ear up to that door, and you hear this. That's what this perspective is. This is two people talking about how you have affected them. And then it switches. So that's just the first part, and we'll get into the second part. We're going to go through four categories of drinker, and then there's some stuff about how things should go after that in the third part. But in this piece, this is a really difficult thing to hear. And what I hope everybody in a meeting or you're going to do with your sponsor is recognize that this is the effect we have on other people. It is not a positive effect. So if you've told yourself, man, I, I don't have a drinking problem. And even if I do, it's my problem. I, I don't hurt anybody but myself. I hope you listen really closely to this. So to wives could be to any spouse and the family's addressed in the family afterward. Even so, to wives could be addressed to parents. To wives could be addressed to just about anybody that we affect, especially this first part. So Bill opens it up like this. It's page 104 in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Starts off like this. With few exceptions, our book thus far has spoken of men, but what we have said applies quite as much to women. Our activities in behalf of women who drink are on the increase. There is every evidence that women regain their health as readily as men if they try our suggestions. But for every man who drinks, for every woman who drinks, for every person who drinks, others are involved. We don't like this, do we? We want to think that I'm just sitting by myself in the garage, pounding a handle of whiskey, right? But nope. The wife who trembles in fear of the next debacle, the mother and the father who see their son wasting away, who see their daughter wasting away, who see their grandkids wasting away. You see the friendly neighborhood kid wasting away. It's all those people. So we've already stepped away from it just being wives to being moms and dads and wives. Among us are wives, relatives and friends whose problem has been solved, as well as some who have not yet found a happy solution. We want the wives of Alcoholics Anonymous to address the wives of men who drink too much. What they say will apply to nearly everyone bound by ties of blood or affection to an alcoholic. So there's that broad perspective of who this is addressed to. Everyone bound by ties of blood or affection to an alcoholic. That's everyone. That's people at work. It's people at your church. It's people at your volunteer organization. That's people at, you know, in your family. That's people, your cousins and your aunts and your uncles. This reaches all the way through the internet. It's not bound by the ocean, any of that. Affection 
or by blood. It says, we have traveled rocky roads. There is no mistake about that. We have had long rendezvous with hurt pride, frustration, self-pity, misunderstanding, and fear. These are not pleasant companions. Now, that's not you, the alcoholic. He's talking about we being these two people that are on the other side of the door talking about you and the effect you have had on them. So as selfish people, we often read this and we think, oh, he's back talking about me. Thank goodness he's talking about me. I love talking. No, it's two people talking about you. You have created a rocky road. You have created long rendezvous. You have hurt their pride. You have brought frustration. You have brought reasons for self-pity, misunderstanding, and fear into your relationships. That's what he's saying. It says, we have been driven to maudlin sympathy, to bitter resentment. Some of us veered from extreme to extreme, ever hoping, because they love you, ever hoping that one day our loved ones would be themselves once more. Our loyalty and the desire that our husbands hold up their heads and be like other men have begotten all sorts of predicaments. We have been unselfish and self-sacrificing. We have told innumerable lies to protect our pride and our husband's reputations. They've been lying for you. They love you like that. They're willing to put their own reputation at risk with lies. We have prayed. We have begged. How many of you remember that? I remember that. We have been patient. We have struck out viciously. We have run away. We have been hysterical. We have been terror-stricken. We have sought sympathy. We have had retaliatory love affairs with other men. Wow, this is the effect the alcoholic you, the alcoholic you and your life have had on people that love you. Our homes have been battlegrounds many an evening. In the morning, we have kissed and made up. Man, I counted on that. I don't know about you guys, but I counted on that. Our friends have counseled chucking the men, and we have done so with finality, only to be back in a little while hoping, always hoping. Our men have sworn great solemn oaths that they were through drinking forever. Who's done that? That's a commitment you didn't keep, isn't it? We have believed them when no one else could or would. Then in days, weeks, or months of fresh outburst. We seldom had friends at our homes. They couldn't even have friends over at your house. Think about that. Never knowing how or when the men of the house would appear. We could make few social engagements. We came to live almost alone. When we were invited out, our husbands sneaked so many drinks that they spoiled the occasion. I know I did that more than once. If, on the other hand, they took nothing, their self-pity made them killjoys. There was never financial security. Wait, there was never financial security. Positions were always in jeopardy or gone. An armored car could not have brought the pay envelopes home. The checking account melted like snow in June. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't you be grateful to be married to someone who does these kind of things to your life? Think about it. This is the effect we have on other people. It's very important to remember that as we go through this. Sometimes there were other women. How heartbreaking was this discovery? How cruel to be told they understood our men as we did not. The bill collectors, the sheriffs, the angry taxi drivers, the policemen, the bums, the pals, and even the ladies they sometimes brought home our husbands thought were so inhospitable. Joy killer, nag, wet blanket. That's what they said. Next day they would be themselves again and we would forget and try to forget. So we call them names. 
insult them, show incredible disrespect. And then we wake up the next morning, what? Ah, thinking, well, I'm good now. I was drunk. You know, no big deal. I personally kept a fund at home for bail money. Like, it's no big deal to wake my wife up in the middle of the night, tell her to cancel whatever she's got going on so she can bail me out of jail for another DUI. Just crazy how we think. It says, we have tried to hold, and remember, two people on the other side of a door. You're listening to this. This is one wife or one spouse or one relative or a dad or a wife telling another person. We have tried to hold the love of our children for their father. We have told small tots that father was sick, which was much nearer the truth than we realized. They struck the children. We hit our kids. We're violent. They struck the children, kicked out door panels. How terrifying is that? Smashed treasured crockery. We break things and rip the keys out of pianos. And I don't know where that one comes from, but evidently Bill Wilson must have ripped some keys out of a piano. In the midst of such pandemonium, they may have rushed out threatening to live with the other woman forever. So we do these things, we terrorize people, and then, and then we insult them even deeper. Huh. In desperation, we have even got tied ourselves. The drunk to end all drunks. The unexpected result was that our husbands seemed to like it. That old adage, right? Misery loves company. Perhaps at this point, we got a divorce and took the children home to father and mother. Then we were severely criticized by our husband's parents for desertion. Usually we did not leave. We stayed on and on. We finally sought employment ourselves as destitution faced us and our families. We saw that in Bill's story. We began to ask medical advice as the sprees got closer together. The alarming physical and mental symptoms, the deepening pall of remorse, depression, and inferiority that settled down on our loved ones. These things terrified and distracted us. As animals on a treadmill, we have patiently and wearily climbed, falling back in exhaustion after each futile effort to reach solid ground. And I think what he's saying there is that the people that love us invest hope in us and we dash it away and we terrify them. And we treat them with utter disrespect. And if you don't want to do this, if you want to stop being cruel to the people that love you by the use of alcohol, by being a actively drinking alcoholic, abandon yourself to God completely as you understand him. Get into this program. Do what this book says. It's so important. So important. Goes on. Most of us have entered the final stage with its commitment to health resorts. Most of us have entered the final stage with its commitment to health resorts. That would be like a rehab or an outpatient program. Health resorts, sanitariums, hospitals, and jails. Sometimes there were screaming delirium and insanity. Death was often near. You want to watch somebody just die in your life? But think of somebody you love right now. Do you just want to watch them wither away and die knowing that there's an answer? knowing that other than this alcohol killing them, they're fine? Think about that. Under these conditions, we naturally made mistakes. Some of them rose out of ignorance of alcoholism. That's true of a lot of us. Sometimes we sensed dimly that we were dealing with sick men. Hmm. Had we fully understood the nature of the alcoholic illness, we might have behaved differently. So that's why this book is important for your wife or spouse or parents to read if they're interested in this route of recovery and being helpful to you. 
How could men who love their wives and children be so unthinking, so callous, so cruel? There could be no love in such persons, we thought. And just as we were being convinced of their heartlessness, they would surprise us with fresh resolves. There's more commitments, right? And new attentions and manipulations and promises. For a while, they would be their old sweet selves, only to dash the new structure of affection to pieces once more. Asked why they commenced to drink again, they would reply with some silly excuse or none. It was so baffling, so heartbreaking. Could we have been so mistaken in the men we married? Hmm. When drinking, they were strangers. Sometimes they were so inaccessible that it seemed as though a great wall had been built around them. And even if they did not love their families, how could they be so blind about themselves? How many of us are able to hear this? That we're cruel, that we're mean, that we bring incredible disruption to people that love us. How can we not see it? We don't see it. We honest, some people, I know I believe that I wasn't hurting anybody but myself. Hmm. What have become of their judgment, their common sense, their willpower? We all wondered that, I think. And our people that love us really wonder that. They're watching this. Why could they not see that drink meant ruin to them? Why was it when these dangers were pointed out that they agreed and then got drunk again immediately? These are some of the questions which race through the mind of every woman who has an alcoholic husband, of every dad, of every mom, of every sister, brother. You guys get it. We hope this book has answered some of them. Perhaps your husband has been living in that strange world of alcoholism where everything is distorted and exaggerated. You can see that he really does love you with his better self. Of course, there is such a thing as incompatibility, but in nearly every instance, the alcoholic only seems to be unloving and inconsiderate. It is usually because he is warped and sickened that he says and does these appalling things. That's you he's talking about, but that's an alcoholic talking about you. That's Bill W., Bill Wilson, saying that we, you, me, are warped and sickened in an effort to try to summarize and describe how people experience us. Hmm. Today, most of our men are better husbands and fathers than ever before. Finally, if you do what's in this book, you can be on that rank too. Try not to condemn your alcoholic husband, no matter what he says or does. He is just another very sick, unreasonable person. Treat him when you can, as though he had pneumonia. When he angers you, remember that he is very ill. There is an important exception to the foregoing. We realize some men are thoroughly bad-intentioned, that no amount of patience will make any difference. An alcoholic of this temperament may be quick to use this chapter as a club over your head. Don't let him get away with it. If you are positive he is one of this type, you may feel you had better leave him. Is it right to let him ruin your life and the lives of your children, especially when he has before him a way to stop his drinking and abuse if he really wants to pay the price? Whew. So it asks us that great question. Two great questions, really, right? One of them is, is it right to let him ruin your life and the lives of your children? Is it right for your wife to let you continually be cruel to them, to bring distrust and concern and fear and despair and terror into the house? 
Is it right to bring financial insecurity, relational insecurity? Is it right for that to be going on? Do you want your children to grow up to do the things that you're doing? Probably not. Probably not. Now that you're in AA, now that you've been exposed to the solution, which is contained in the book in your hands or in your phone or wherever you're reading it, you no longer have that right. You have the ability and the tools and the resources to do something completely different. The first time I framed to wives up in my own life and saw it as how other people see me and understood this as a conversation on the other side of a wall, man, it was disturbing. A lot of this stuff can be applied to your fifth step. It's a great place to look for the nature of your wrongs. So a great conversation to have about this isn't to sit around and deprecate each other and talk about just how bad you were. We all share some level of what we just read. We have all brought some parts of that into other people's lives. The value of the conversation, I believe, is this. And maybe you guys can wrap a discussion around it. What are you doing today to be different? How has being different rebuilt your life with your significant relationships? Why is it important for you to take care of yourself and remain spiritually fit for the sake of service to others? Because the first service we do every day to everyone that love us is stay sober. That's the most important act of service we got rolling because without that, most of us would agree we probably don't have anything. Another thing you can talk about in this is do you have some phrases that you use that are different? How did you tone down the terror? How did you disrupt the disrupting? What is it about the steps that brought a new way of life to you that has really worked in your personal relationships? Because one of the ways to look at these steps is they're entirely about interpersonal relationships. They give you the skills necessary to get along in this world. So any discussion around that, but I would caution you not to get into drunkologues or stories about just how bad you were. Let's talk about the solution and how good you can be that you have restored your life or you are on your way to it. Let's get that newcomer excited that their problem, as astonishingly difficult as it may seem, is solvable. I hope you have a great talk.